welcome to getting welcome to this episode of getting my cheese back on my cracker. I am Ashley Nicole, and I'm Paige Benjamin of Atomic Travels. And in this episode, we're going to talk about our youth. More importantly, providing them with the health outlets that we did not have growing up. Healthier upbringing and communication can help our youth skip the broken learning phases and go directly to thriving. We are going to be talking about the ways that we can build our youth. Let's meet our panel and get into it. Uh, Sister Caitlin, tell us who you are and what do you do? Oh, me, Ketia. Okay. Um, Ketia, I'm sorry. That's okay. Well, I'm Ketia. I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Haiti, like I said. So I, my background is nursing. So I was a nurse for about 13 years. That was um, while going to nursing school. So I did the diagnosis of muscular dystrophy. So I continue on. And um, um, uh, seven years ago, so I stopped working because I couldn't... Um, the disease impacted my limbs, my lower extremities. So I use a wheelchair, but I don't let that stop me. I was married. Um, I have three kids, three beautiful, uh, three beautiful children, twin boys and a daughter. So I'm a mm-hmm. single mom raising them the best that I can. So uh, right now I'm a credit restoration specialist. I help people fix their credit. So I refuse to give up in life, no matter what life takes, uh, throw at me. So I took it and turned it around. So I'm doing the best that I can. So then COVID had happened. So I lost my mom and my sister. So this week had been hard for me, very hard, because it was a a year ago that I lost both of them, a week apart from each other. So I'm just trying to stay strong right now. But God is good. Mm -hmm. So just keep me in prayers, you guys. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm happy to be with you guys tonight. Okay, Ms. Jacqueline. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Jackson, better known as Jackie. I am the executive director and founder of the Royalty Project, which is a cultural enrichment initiative um, with the intention of building positive self-awareness, self-esteem for youth of color. Um, I also am the chief operations officer of the New York Urban League. Happy to be here. Okay, Mr. Ramon. How you doing, everyone? Um, my name is Ramon Daly. I'm one of the board members of the Royalty Project, Inc. I'm also an educator. Um, I've worked with uh, middle school youth for almost over 20 years. I also um, organize historically black college tours for students uh, in New York City and the tri-state area, where we travel for a week and visit um, the HBCUs um, from all the way from like Tennessee, all the way back up to the DC area. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Mr. Copeland, if you're able at the moment. <clears throat> I guess we'll have to bring Mr. Copeland in back. Yes, I'm back. Okay, there you go. Okay. Uh, who are you and yeah, introduce yourself. What do you do? Oh, my name is Copeland Richards. I am currently the owner of Chippenity Trucking Company. Um, I am a father to a brand new three-year-old, and you know, I am—I'm just a guy. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Awesome. Well, we're glad to have all of y'all here. Um, I want to go ahead and jump into the first part of the discussion. Um, so Black children are overly punished and underdiagnosed with mental health behavior disorders. We all are familiar with the phrase that it takes a village to raise a child. But what does that mean to you? How does that look in our community and what impact does that have on our mental health? Um, well, with the, the Black child being kind of over penalized, um, I see that a lot in education. And um, it happens a lot even amongst our own. Um, sometimes uh, during my career, one of the things that I do in terms of taking a, being a part of the village that raises that child is that each year that I've taught, I decided to adopt quote unquote one kid. That's the active young man or young lady, you know, in that school building and try to start building some kind of bond with them so that they, they have an outlet to, to vent. They have an outlet to take the time out. They have an outlet to, um, to confide in so that, you know, I can give, we can give advice and, uh, and they actually listen and take it. So, you know, to see, you can't, you can't do everything, but if you choose one noble project, one or two uh, young people, I think that'll help. Mm -hmm. We freestyling so anybody can answer? Yeah, anybody can answer. Yeah, it's just, it's an open floor now. Oh, oh, okay. Well, we know in our community, we tend to down, downsize our mental health a lot, mm -hmm. especially amongst our youth. And I don't think, a lot of time we don't pay much attention. And sometimes we tend to um, put it off and, oh, this kid is acting up, or we never looked at it, like visualize it as it, it could be more than just that child being um, misbehaving. So I've seen mm -hmm. that a lot. Uh, especially here, we tend to punish our children, especially. Uh, we don't seek for the help that they need. We tend to put it off because uh, we're so afraid of the stigma or putting our child or labeling child. I know, especially in my community, we tend to do that a lot. They don't like um, for their kids to be labeled. So they try to put it away or put it aside and and we do believe that prayer can cure everything. Yes, prayer is good, but you do have to do the work as well. So it's important to look for the sign and seek for help for the children. Because a lot of time it's more than just like this child acting up or this child is just seeking attention. I think right. if we take the time to assess and evaluate and look at the kid as a being, instead of, you know what? Ah, oh, that's my kid. There's no way. Nothing is wrong. And we let the problem continue. And before you know, it gets out of hand. Because suicidal is very high right now uh, among the youth. So I'm happy that you guys are joining together to discuss that and to bring it to light. So I'm glad to be here, be a part of it. So if we join together, maybe we can create a solution. For Thank you. Right. Um, the phrase it takes a village to raise a child to me means um, the parents, the parents of that child have support. The parents of all children have support. The whole burden of raising the child and being a role model and setting examples and um, and exposing them to what the world has to offer and propelling them. Um, into the people that they are to be is not just just on the parents. 
the the youth as well as the other adults or you know whoever else is a part of that village get to be a part of that child and those children's lives it's um a communal way of of being responsible um and honoring a commitment to raising a child it's 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 support for the parents and it's also an opportunity for the youth to have so much more exposure than just um, just their immediate uh, household. <sighs> the village part, let me say one thing about the village part. Um, going back, back home, over here I tend to see that um, the term it takes a village doesn't really apply here in America. Because back home, when you were growing up, when we said it takes a village, it does. Because you don't, your parents are not always home. So that's been, you know, you got any, everybody's looking out for you, whether your church, your neighbor. So you don't need to worry about your kid. Versus here in America, you're always so afraid of your neighbor and we're not open. So back home, when I was growing up, so everybody's my tati, everybody's my auntie. So if my mom's not here, Regardless, there was food at home. I will eat because my mom will make sure to let the neighbor know. Oh, you know, I'm not here. Look out for the child. So mm -hmm. that's how it is. So in our community, it tends to be different when I come here versus here because you owe everybody respect. Not only respect, and they have the right to discipline you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and in uh, a lot of ways here, it's different here because if you're not family members this those child they don't tend to respect you they don't owe you respect oh i don't know you versus where i came from it's not like that so well I, I think i, I think, think that's to, a vast generalization and i think that's not fair yeah. to say about all of america i think there no. are parts well, and i think there are certain parents that may feel like yeah i just want i want to be responsible for raising my child in only my immediate circle but i didn't grow up that way my whole block raised me my church raised me there were other people in my in my school in my community i grew up in jamaica queens and in the community that i was raised in it did take a village my mom was working a lot and so she she um she counted on my neighbors and some other friends and some other family members to play a role. I was also included in after school activities. I was in, you know, um, drama. Um, I was in basketball and I was in, uh, heavily in the church. So those those institutions, those communities played a part in raising me. And I do see that in a lot of people and a lot of kids in a lot of different places. It's mm -hmm. not as common, it may not, I don't know, I'm not from the Caribbean, but I do know a lot of people who are and who consider mm -hmm. that um, nostalgia of having that readily accessible in a way that, that has no fear to be wider spread, but it's not that it's not happening here. So I would argue well, to say well, that that's not the case. So, I, I think she said, so one of the things that um, I kind of wanted to bring up when, when she said that was, um, a couple last season, we had the conversation um, blackity black, right? Where um, there are people that come here that don't necessarily always get the reception um, of community, right? Mm -hmm. Of village, and so it's rare you find. And you know, I'll use your your one of your closest friends as an example. It's rare you find a Haitian families assimilate into the black community, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of the times, if we're talking about the 80s and the 70s and the 90s, um, it was almost 
darn near impossible to admit you were Haitian, right? And so a lot of us kind of um, kept that animosity and didn't assimilate into the communities. Now, is that a lack thereof? Not necessarily, but if you didn't feel involved, and this is um, Sister Katia's personal experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, so based on a personal experience, and I know from my personal experience, it took a while for us to build a village, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, my mom, Sister Katia, you know my mom, you've met my yeah. mom. Her mm -hmm. accent is such so heavy. At the beginning, we were be told, well, we don't know what she's saying. Can you translate? You have a five-year-old translating somebody's, you know, somebody who's speaking English because there was a level of ignorance towards people of foreign descent, right? Yeah. Or towards immigrants. So I, I, I agree with both of you. There is, um, there is community and there is the not being accepted or allowed to be allowed to assimilate into a community to feel as though that there's a village. Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah, I just want us to be careful to not be absolute. And, you know, like when we speak, we have the tendency to be like, my experience is the experience. And I just want to make sure, just represent the, the perspective from an, a Black American that there are communities that are happening here and there are villages that are happening here. Well, we can't, we, uh, I, will, I would also say that we can't say that her experience isn't valid. Right. No, no, no. So, and that's so not that's not mind. what I'm saying. Right. And if so, I came across that way, please forgive me. I did not mean I did not intend to say that at all. I just wanted to represent for the communities that are happening here, because oftentimes black Americans are seen like from people who migrate here, other black people who migrate here. There's this sense that we don't establish community. And that's not fair to to make a blanket statement like that. That's that's no, not. It's not like you guys don't establish community. No, I don't take it wrong at all. That's why we're here. We're gonna learn from each other, right. and I just learned from you. I didn't know. I didn't know. There's a lot of things that I don't know. Mm -hmm. I came here in '95. When I came here, it was Haitian on the side, Black American together. I was afraid. '95. I was afraid to be mm -hmm. here. When school is over, I have to rush home because I was afraid wow. somebody's gonna beat me up. We <laughs> all were black. So we, as once we learn to accept each other as one, and I yeah. think we will create a better community. There's Agreed. no black American, Haitian American, Jamaican American or whatever. We are black. To the mm -hmm. eye of the white folks, we just black to them. It doesn't matter. I might have an accent, you have accent. We just black, it doesn't matter. They're not gonna treat right. you any different than they will treat me. So that's right. all there is to it. Mm -hmm. I also want to um, get, I wanted to touch on, I know um, I hear it a lot and like Jackie, I'm an American, I'm generic, great value, black person from Mississippi. <laughs> we had a village and um, right. it was all my family, aunties, uncles, distant relatives, people I don't even think we were actually kin to, but they're cousins, somebody. Uh, somebody. Um, I, I noticed nowadays a lot of people uh, um, attribute the loss of the quote unquote village by the inability to discipline other people's children or the inability mm. um, to do um, other things that like kind of would be frowned upon. And I know that me growing up, one of the reasons that I was one of those children was because of how my mother grew up with people just disciplining her all over the place. Do you think that our views on discipline have negatively um, affected our, our village? No, I, I, I don't. I, can I say I something about that, please? Please. So, oh, yeah. 
So I don't think that our views, and I thoroughly enjoyed that little back and forth because both points were very, very true. And one of the things I don't think that we realize in America is that many of our views are not our own. Many of our right. views are not our the way that we treat other people. So I know I'm so I'm a my parents are Caribbean, but I'm American. So I have that understanding of culture. But I grew up here, mm-hmm. and I grew up here as a little smart kid who didn't have an accent. So if I didn't tell you I was Jamaican or Caribbean, I would get treated that way. But as a young kid, I watched as Africans were called African booty scratchers, while foreign-born Black people who didn't speak English properly were treated a certain way because we have to remember that America is a completely different culture. And this culture was created by somebody. It was created by somebody. It perpetuates itself. And then it actually goes to trick the oppressed into supporting it. So Mm -hmm. there is a... Now, Black people in general are, I think, on the spectrum, more communal. So they're definitely going to be pockets where we are developing community, where we do have friends, where I have kids, and we are building that. But we build it with a sense of fear that has been instilled into us as Black Americans, where we do not allow outsiders to come in. And in the Black diaspora, we do not see each other as each other. We see each other just as others. Africans are Africans, Americans are Americans, and that is all by design. Because there is very, as I'm listening to the two of you talk about about village, I can feel, regardless of what you're talking about, I can feel how important that is to you. It was important mm-hmm. to you that you did see it, and it was important to you to make sure that you let everybody know that you had it, because you got mm-hmm. to do it. It is very, very important. But our society, this European society, is all about individuals. It's about doing you getting yours. As a black person in America, if you want to be a millionaire and you want to go do it and be selfish and oppress people, you will have no pushback. As mm-hmm. soon as you start trying to create a group and start working for the community, you are going to be targeted. Right. You are going to die. Okay. People don't understand why everybody's so upset that it's Black Lives Matter, lady, but it's not your personal thing. It's the fact of the matter that you are no longer an individual. You are now an organization. And there has not mm-hmm. been one not one in all of Black America's history that has treated us fairly and done us correctly. Mm-hmm. And so we have to remember that all of our experiences, the first verse of the Tao teaching says, the Tao that can be named is not a Tao. What that means is that anybody who names something, it's just your perspective. But until we get all of the perspectives, we don't really see the truth. And the system that we are living under has done the greatest job of putting us on opposite sides of the ball so we don't see each other's experiences experiences and then we end up fighting. I'm gonna yield my time for now. <laughs> and I, that's not I, I that's not just that, reserved for different true. ethnicities. That ha- that's not just reserved for different ethnicities. That happened to us as black Americans before the mass migration of other people from other places and countries and continents. The, the term African booty scratcher was not reserved to Africans. I was called that as a black, as a, as a young black girl growing up in Jamaica, Queens. It's, it's not, it wasn't just reserved for people. Like colorism is probably the larger issue and that's global. It's not just in America. It's not just in New York City. It's not just in the places that we all frequent. It's, it's a global issue. No, I agree. 150%. But what I'm saying is that the 
creation of that issue was created by the European colonial institution. And it was created so that the lesser people, because there's way more of us, and they do mm -hmm. understand the art of war. They understood. Yeah, yeah divide and conquer. Divide you are conquer. absolutely right, brother. That is definitely an orchestrated plot to disseminate us. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know it's not reserved to any one people, but what all I've, what I've realized is that oppressed people, as soon as they've been given some power, they then go to oppress another person, unless, of course, they do the internal work and get to a certain state. But the average person isn't doing that. Then we have time for yeah. that. That's why we're here having this conversation about mental health, because the mm -hmm. average person doesn't care about mental health. They care. Lost we him. lost him. Uh, he was getting was, good too. He was getting good. Yeah. So <laughs> we want to. So I think Ramon wanted to say something, and we actually want to yeah. go to a talking point. Um, In terms, with regards to Ashley's uh, comment about you know not being able to discipline another person's child, mm -hmm. I think that all of us, um, whether you're Caribbean or you're from the South or Black American, there was a certain we've evolved in terms of our level of discipline. And um, if you're going to go in that route, um, as a teacher, I would, I would always use the analogy that you can't make a withdrawal unless you've made deposits um, in terms of children. Right. And if you, don't, if you don't have a relationship, a rapport, you don't put some time in, you know, you may have to eat some humble pie dealing with that child. But once you put that investment, there's a time that comes that you're going to make an ask of that young person and they're going to respond to you. Um, one of the things that I would apologize for, and I wouldn't see anyone apologize, I wouldn't, um, let's say it's my first period class, I wouldn't discipline my ch a child in my class unless I properly greeted them first. I don't want to mm -hmm. come in and say, hey, take out your pencil. You know, you didn't always, you know, you never always take it out. Mm -hmm. But then I have to stop and say, hey, you know what? I didn't greet you. How you doing? You yeah. Good? Yeah. Let's, let's move on. But just building a relationship and making some investment in that young person. Um, you can start to form that. And then that young person goes home and talks to you, talks about you to a parent or a family member. And then come time for parent-teacher conference, it's a bet, it's an easier conversation. And then now you guys can work together to make plans for that young person's life. So I want to ask this follow-up question. Um, and Jackie, you you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, mm -hmm. and, and if each of you can kind of touch on it, what did your village look like coming up? Like, were you able to actually, as a child, acknowledge the village that that was around you? Um, my experience as an immigrant, I came, um, I, I immigrated to the United States from Jamaica when I was nine. Um, when I was in Jamaica, I had a village. You know, I had aunts, cousins, houses that I would go to. People would ask me, did you eat? Did you do your homework? Things of that nature, how you do on the school? But when I moved up here, it was a little bit different. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a nine year old watching Emmanuel Lewis on TV, talking about people touching you inappropriately and going to tell. Yeah. Crack is whack. Um, you know, kids getting staples, putting their Halloween candy and stuff like that. So, village mm -hmm. was, was my, my mother, you know. Um, and, you know, whatever little friends I made, but, you know, a, a nine year old and a 10 year old can't necessarily guide each other through life. But my mm -hmm. village was kind of gone until um, like uh, until probably like high school and you have your football team, you have your coaches and, you know, certain teachers that you, you get close with. So 
that, that was my village growing up. Luckily, I was scared to embarrass my mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. My, my village was I grew up with my sisters, so I didn't grow up with my parents. Because my dad left when I was like two, my mom left when I was seven. So I grew up with my sisters and auntie and everybody and the neighbors. Everybody was before my mom left and she actually told the neighbors, Well, it's a here, they're on your hands, so now you look out for them. Because mm -hmm. my sister, my oldest, my eldest sister was like when and, and can can I can I pause you for a second? So um can you explain what it means to leave? Because I think um, you know, there's a difference in 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 um perception what leaving could mean, right? Um, you know, and I, I'm not gonna speak for you, but I'll kind of explain my mom's situation. Mm -hmm. My mom left her children in Haiti so that she could come to the United States and set up shop for them. Um, and then she went back to go get them. So there are a lot of parents that would leave and come back. Um, in the diaspora, it happens a lot of the times. I just wanted to make sure that we clarified that so that it wasn't like an abandonment situation, right? It was, they left <laughs> so that they could go to the United States, live the American, start living the American dream and come back. I just didn't want anybody to mis misunderstand what you were saying. Exactly. It's just mostly they're looking for a better life, really. Mm -hmm. So when they left back home, it's not because they have nothing. Or like, Frankly, when I was in Haiti, I thought I was rich. Until I came here, I realized, oh, I wasn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> back home, you know, I mean, you, you just, I mean, you're never exposed to a different culture. And I got everything that I need. So my parents not there. Of course, I miss them. But... I know that they're sending for me and everybody else there. And I have people from Paris, Canada, all over the place. So I didn't feel like there was a lack. And yeah. it was a community. We were always together. When I came here, I was 17. They put me in a building and I'm locked up indoor. I can't go nowhere. It was cold. I mean, I missed home. Of course, I was homesick. So regardless, everybody thought like, oh, she left, but I came alone. I didn't come with my sisters. And I was always with my sisters. So I didn't know how to be by myself. And now I'm, it's just, I'm practically coming to two strangers that I didn't know. So it was, it was hard. It's not like, oh, I came here. Oh, I was so excited. I couldn't, I was begging my parents to send me back. <laughs> I was crying because I'm left. I've never been alone. And there was an alarm every time the battery was low. Beep. I would run and go hide in the closet thinking somebody's coming. I mean, it was. It was Tia, how old were you when you when you came here? Seventeen. Seventeen. I was seventeen, but it was. Ramon, you were eight. I was nine. I was nine. Nine. Yeah, I was seventeen, but it was a totally different life. And when you come here, you have to adapt to this culture, mm. and it, it's not easy. New yeah. language. I don't speak English back home. Oh, I was playing Creole. Now I have to learn this new language. And then coming here, I have to come and become an advocate for my parents. Mm -hmm. So it's not easy when an immigrant comes here to yeah. everything that they know. It's like their whole life. And then to come here in a strange world, you don't even know. I mean, people don't accept you. And then now you have to deal with, okay, Black American, Spanish. They want to fight you on top of it. Oh, not <laughs> It's, 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 it's true. That's part of the experience. Yeah. Um, but I, but what, I, what I did, what I know was that I was here permanently and I said, I'm just going to make the best of it. 
And and that's what as and and I made that decision, you know, at nine, you know, and you know, I, I made friends. I knew I started to understand people. Um, that's what it, you know, and I started to make bonds with people with the kids in my class. So you know, mm-hmm. community started to build little by little, you know. So I, I hung out with the smart kids. I got to talk to the. I like food to this day, so I talked to the the Spanish kids about the stuff they would eat and they and, and all that stuff. So a lot of it is similar. So. Mm-hmm. It, community was created because I was determined to create it. You know, I yeah. wanted to create something that I did have in Jamaica um, that, that that I no longer had, you know, the same way here. Can I say something about that? Because, and I, and I apologize because when I talk, I'm usually triggered. I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation. And when I jump in, I can just let y'all know from now on that I'm gonna be triggered. Because what I find in our community, in our culture, is that in order to get the basicness of needs of human beings, we have to be exceptional. The whole purpose of culture is so that traditions can be passed on without you having to truly understand the traditions in order to practice them. That's the whole part. And we have to fight for that. Like the whole idea of a village raising a child for me is a fight because I I know that the mental health of my people has been affected by the life that they have to live here in America. They have been trained to focus on this piece of cloth fiber paper that we one day, white people came and was like, hey, you have a goat over there? How about this paper? This is valuable. And we started giving them actual usable things for these papers and these rocks. And now that's the whole culture. So we wake up every morning, we don't go out with our brothers and sisters to take care of our food for the day and our livelihood and the way that we're living. We go work on somebody else's dream, whose dream is probably contributing to the oppression of the people that we just left at home. So for me, this whole, the village mentality, like I literally wrote a three-part story um, lecture part about it, and it's three parts to it. We don't know who we are. We don't know what friendship is and we don't understand group economics because all of these things have been stripped from us and they're constantly being stripped from us while constantly being reinforced in the other culture. George Washington, at the Rocking Hamilton, I realized this that clearly, George Washington does nothing to inspire me as a six-year-old. Alexander Hamilton does nothing to inspire me as a six-year-old. John Wayne does nothing, but it inspires that little white boy it gets him to be a gangster and be ready to bomb something. But then when we, if you told me about Mansa Musa now, Haley Selassie, Shaka Zula, Shaka Zulu, and not the movie that these guys were playing back in the eighties, maybe now I'm inspired a little bit, but we don't get that. And they have these symbols everywhere. And these symbols are like the, the simple fact of how do we just go to work? We have to fight to be able to wear our hair naturally. I get told to get a haircut all the time. And guess who tells me the most? Black men. Not even black women. Black men constantly tell me to get a haircut because they're reminding me about how I am perceived and how I need to look in order to be perceived in a way to be accepted enough to share what it is that I have to say. So with that, I want to say I'm honored to be here. And I'm glad that you guys didn't tell me to get a haircut or wear a suit. So, <laughs> and I, and yeah, so like I, and I apologize for my energy because like I said, this is very, very triggering for me because I'm afraid for my young son because he has to do nothing wrong. 
He has to do absolutely nothing wrong. And a cop can have a bad day, shoot him, write it up, and walk away. And walk away. He doesn't have to, I could raise him as perfectly as I want to, and somebody's bad day is going to end his life. And there's oh, not enough that... of us who are who are willing Ooh. to say to these cops, and I'm gonna let these cops know, and I'm gonna let everybody know right here. If a cop is to take my son out, he might as well take me out too, because I'm coming for you. All right, can you one last thing? Can you move that yeah. string that's in front of you? Because you know we want to oh. really see your face. <laughs> it was a little distracting. Well, that's great. It was a little distracting. <laughs> Listen, so, look, it was I theatric. Going to my iPad, so I had to, I had to get everything going. I got you. Bad. I got you. All right, Ashley. Is, look at me. I'm sweating. I'm literally sweating <laughs> right now. Well, we feel like we said we're so glad to have you for your viewpoints. Um, a lot of y'all said a lot of things that were that were pretty good, especially with Mansa Musa and a bunch of um, hitting a bunch of different topics, such as um, not being familiar with some things in our history. Um, I want to ask Jackie a question. Um, mm -hmm. Having completed uh, my first cycle being a TRP mentor, one of the most impactful takeaways for me was each session, how you can see how much each youth learned um, from the um, beginning to the crowning ceremony. When you initially started um, the Royalty Project, Jackie, what was mm -hmm. your concept of nature versus nurture play into the development of the curriculum and the overall goal? Hmm. Um, the concept of nature versus nurture. Well, I can tell you how, how, how it impacted it. So, um, our, our nature is to be free and to be open and to be trusting and to take risks and those kind of things. But we are nurtured or inundated with images and messaging and media um, about who we are as black people and what we are to be and where we come from that are narratives that, that originate from outside of the culture. So even if our nature is to, to, to be ambitious and to be fun and to be loving, we are often told um, that we are less than and we are not as attractive and we are not as intelligent and we are all of these things that come outside of the culture. So a lot of what the Royalty Project aims to do is to reverse that um, way of thinking to dispel all negative summaries of what it means to be black. So we're trying to actually like reverse nurture or re-nurture mm -hmm. because um, in our nature, there are a lot of great things in our just natural abilities. There are a lot of great things, but um, oftentimes we are beat down with so, so many negative messages that um, we need to be retrained. And a lot of us became aware of that a lot of us became aware of that as adults. Mm -hmm. And we only imagined that if we knew we were the smartest, the fastest, the most beautiful, if we knew that we were great, if we knew how powerful we were when we were younger, then that would that would that would end a lot of the 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 negative training that happened to at least ages between the ages of 10 to 14. So I think what the Royalty Project aims to do, no, I know that the Royalty Project is successful in opening up the minds of a younger person, um, opening up the minds of the youth to, 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 to 
reveal, release, and reshape. And that's our that's our mantra. So we're revealing the things that have happened in history, the ways that, that we were oppressed and we are systematically oppressed to this day, the ways that we're feeling about ourselves because we were told these things about ourselves. And so then we release all negative summaries of what it means to be Black, negative summaries of what... Um, what it is to 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 not be in unity, create this sense of unity in the African diaspora, and then re, and then um, reshape what it means to be black to for truly what it is. We are a communal people. We are we you know we are we do support each other. We do love each other. We do exist as a tribe. We do exist as a community. And we also have achieved and will achieve and will continue to achieve despite all the obstacles and all the challenges amazing things so to answer your question or to just you know to to draw a conclusion within your question the royalty project is fighting against nurture and re-nurturing we are re-nurturing that's how i would i would respond to that hey it's ashley nicole i appreciate y'all for listening and hopefully you're all getting your keeping your cheeses on your crackers I'm dropping in on this episode to give you some goodies. Have you been wanting to get into the podcast game and don't know where to start? I got you. I have answers. If you haven't already heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor has everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Let me say it again, um, in case you missed it. Everything that you need to make a podcast is conveniently in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Free 99, zero dollars, zero cents. So, go ahead Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started now. I can't wait to listen to your podcast, too. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think that um, there's, there's, we're, we're kind of trained um, to, to kind of block ourselves out of spaces. And what we're trying to do with the Royalty Project is to let these let kids remain free and let them understand that they belong in any space that interests them, any space mm -hmm. they want. Out, whether they want to try it out for a short period of time or with something that they're going to look at as a vocation. Um, you know, with regard to mental health, that comes into play with just simple activities like, hey, let's go take a walk. Yeah, oh, that's some cool stuff. White people go for walks, but that might be the thing that keeps you sane. <laughs> yeah, you know right. I mean? You know, right. And as Jackie said, a lot of us, um, unfortunately, came into understanding that, hey, I can be anything I want to be truly and explore anything I want to explore when we were maybe in our 20s, you yeah. know, in our yeah. 20s. Now imagine you have that understanding of the world that you can move in any space and you belong and you, you have a right to be in that space and you can excel in any space and you have that at the age of 10. The world is different, you mm -hmm. know? Areas that are set up, you're going to be immune to, you know, and then now you're going to be, you're going to have the knowledge to kind of, you know, do like the matrix and free other people, you know, so that, you know, talking about community is another, is a different conversation because, hey, 
We have all these commonalities, even though we may be a little bit different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying, I'm trying to be what? good here. Hey, first off, first off, Jackie. And yes, now I remember clearly our conversation. I just want to point to Jackie that I want in because what you're doing is, and I and I'm gonna get your email from Purge. I'm gonna send you what it is that I put together about reinvigorate. Like I literally wrote a lecture about reinvigorating the village mentality because I'm 40, you know, and I've been I've lived the life of a gypsy nomad, you know, like. I've always been smart. Everybody was like, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer. Bruh, I don't like blood and I don't like arguing with people. So no, like, I don't want to do that. But no, these, says the like, guy that likes to argue. No, 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 no. I'd be I right. I, I just like to make sure that the truth is heard. That's different. But our children, from what I have seen, like simply with, and just, just having a conversation with my son's mom about the freedom, what I have seen with my son by not, by not pushing him anywhere and just allowing him some certain freedom, like we have so many things in our head that have been put there. When our mm -hmm. kids are phenomenal, absolutely mm -hmm. phenomenal, mm -hmm. this system aims to utilize their phenomenalness in an aspect, which is just their physical labor or mental labor. So they mm -hmm. want workers. They don't want us to be doing things like this. They don't want us yeah. to create yeah. our village because guess what? Guess what? There's one thing that a black man who has a black woman firmly behind his back will never be will never have done to him. He will never be manipulated by a white man. And they know that. They know mm -hmm. that 150%. Because back in the day, when we used to have our wars, women used to be warriors right alongside of us. Our queen mm -hmm. would fight with us. But guess what? When they started colonializing us, what they realized is that if she's there, he ain't listening to you. You can't come up with a great, a great enough threat to get him to listen to you. Which is what made that aspect be taken away. The woman gets taken away from the battlefield because she's strong enough to be there. But to be taken away from there and put away so that the man now has deal with the man and then think about all of the great greek war stories two men why because the love is the greatest power in the world in the universe mm -hmm. and the love so they had to create some sort of a love we won't go all the way in there but i'm sure you guys see where i'm going <laughs> with this. but that and and what what has happened in the society is we have not we're not able to love our children anymore look in mm -hmm. nature not all love is eh, nice hair. You, you're good. No, sometimes love is round. Pick them up, throw them over there. What are you doing? Do you not see that ditch? I've yelled at my son sometimes, and you know why I yelled at him? One reason, why? one reason only. Not because not he was wrong, because I was scared. He scared the hell out of me. Running towards the street, I was scared. It's not wow. that that's bad behavior. It's dangerous. But I was scared, so I yelled at him, and I'm I'm working on yelling too. But he like I always I always comfort him after I yell because sometimes he catches me on guard. I'd be like, what? But yeah. I always make sure that there's a, there has to be a balance. And I realize that I do have to yell at him because sometimes it's simply a matter of breaking their energy. These kids are focused. Sometimes you just got to break that energy, but then you bring it back down. So we're not a we're, we're we've been trained 
by these people to operate in a way that's not conducive to us at yeah. all. And that's why I refuse to put my son in a school. I literally refuse. You're muted. I can't hear you, daughter. So, Sister Kate, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I got to wear a shirt that says you're muted. Um, Sister <laughs> Katia, um, you're raising two handsome young men, twins, um, in the age of 15. 15. Um, and, you know, you shared with me the other day that um, they're two polar opposites. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how much of that do you feel as though is that? nature versus nature nature versus nurture right because i know in the home um you do your best um but when they go out into the world um there are things that you can and cannot control that can sometimes drive you crazy right so how are you dealing with and you know we've already jumped into the second segment so um ashley if you want to share the the the, the topic on um on the screen um, the topic of the second segment is really defining um, what nature versus nurture means to you, right? Um, and so um, in your personal experience, um, uh, Sister Ketia, um, what does it mean to you? Like, you know, seeing your children be complete polar opposites um, and, and having to deal with it? Uh. They're totally two different kids, but luckily <laughs> for me, <laughs> luckily for me, um, when they're home, I get to have them. They let the personality out. They can break down the house, but when they're outside, totally opposite. Some There were times the teachers would call me, they would tell me something's wrong with my Nathan. I said, really? What's wrong with him? No. He's too quiet. He needs to do this. I said, we're not talking about the same kid. This kid run the house here. So it's not every kid who's quiet has a problem. So sometimes they know that, how to conduct themselves while they're out there. So while Ethan is very quiet, so even right now, Ethan is a nurturing person. Nathan would, he took care of me. From the time he wakes up, he looked out for me. So that's the other one. If I don't call him for the day, I might not see him. That's <laughs> the opposite. If I don't call, I said, I remember I have two sons. Where's the other one? He's not going to come. <laughs> He's not going to come. Versus Nathan, he's going to come. He wakes up where they used to use the bathroom. He's going to come and check on me. And that's something that for me was a baby. He's been doing it. This is something really... You have some kids that were born certain ways. You can't, there's no transformation. There's no mm -hmm. way to them. But you're going to have some kids who sort of opposite. So it's up to us. We have to accept them and nurture them the way they came, the way they come. God made them. A lot of time, their personality, their characters already. We don't even have to do much. You can fight. We scream. But yes, we have to draw the line. They're respectful. They're, they don't really talk back. In public, you would see them. You would say, these kids don't know how to talk. But, yeah, they are. When they're here, it's noise daily. Yelled. We are loud family. We are loud. But in the house, <laughs> I scream. But, first, I mean, when we scream at our children, it's not that um, 
you're trying to uh, uh, order them around or whatever. It's, it's the fear. I'm a little person. And you sh if you see them, they're like six feet already. So if, <laughs> if I don't draw the line to have them respect me. So right now, I, I don't think I could have had control because my daughter is 21. I'm very petite. I'm not tall. I'm 5'2". But Keisha's already what? 5'10". So if I didn't have them respect me, from growing up, from I was bringing them up, I'm raising them here alone. Imagine. Yeah. I don't care how tall you are. If I said you're not going outside, you're not going. You can't right. open my door. It doesn't matter. I can't run after you. I don't have to run after you. You come to me. So when you nurture, yes, it's we're nurturing them. But at the same time, it's okay to discipline them because out there, the world is waiting to destroy them, to kill them. Because once they see a black man, they just think that, ah, they're just thugs. Oh, they're just this. But you know your child. And that's why we're all hurting right now. And I think the what you guys are doing is are great, especially that project. But when we start to accept us for who we are, and I think we're going to go so far. We're going to mm -hmm. transform and change the world. Yes, they put a lot of negativity in us, but what about us? We're destroying our own self also. So we can't really hold everybody else responsible. Sometimes we have to take a look at us too. We need to. We need that. That's all I have to say for now. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody else? Go ahead, Copeland. <laughs> As I just got triggered, like, <laughs> what's your name, Kitia? Kitia. 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 Okay. First off, I love everything that you're saying. Like, that's absolutely 100%. I agree 100%. And I do agree to a degree that there's a lot that we have to do. But we also have to make sure that in our fixing of our situation, we truly understand ourselves. Situation. I think one of the biggest things that I see go wrong, especially with, like, let's just talk about kids. There's no such thing as a bad kid. I refuse no to believe that. The kids are not born with a demon inside of them, and and maybe they are. Maybe, like, maybe some have mental, like, real, like, chemical imbalances. But then that's different. There's no bad kids. What it is is bad systems. And we are in a very bad system. We are in a system that promotes selfishness. It promotes us not caring about our future, as, as, which is as close to us as our kids. This is all promoted. We, we need, it's no matter what, it's our responsibility to fix it. But we cannot, we cannot get caught up in the trap of blaming ourselves, especially Marcellus Wiley. He's a football player who has this show on TV, Speak for Yourself. And what he was saying is that he used to blame everything. He used to blame the fact that he's from Compton. He used to blame Inglewood. He used to blame LAUSD. But then he seen somebody that went to Harvard, and it's like, where'd you come from? She came from Compton. Another person went to Yale. Where'd you come from? Inglewood. Another person went to Princeton, LAUSD. So maybe it's not necessarily the system, but it's maybe you're an exception. But if that's the case and you're exceptional, just be exceptional. And I agree with that. But what, I, what I'm very, very upset about, the fact is that in order to be regular, we have to be exceptional. When in the other community, if any of you have ever watched um, Seinfeld, people who are as beneath average as the character Newman has six-figure jobs. Think about that. We yeah. have to be exceptional to make it. 
They just have to be, just exist to be there. And so for me, one of the one of the things like I believe that nature and nurture, it all it's it varies. Like there's no set formula for how things are going to affect other people. It's just different people are going to deal with your internal constitution. Now we did we do have different ones. We have all the same parts, but you may be built differently. So different situations are going to do different things to you. But it's 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 very hard for me. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm getting a little caught up here. So I'm going to yield my time and we're going to move on because I, I can't like. Finish the thought, bro. Finish the thought. Finish the thought. Remember what I was? I don't even remember what I was talking about. I just had like forty <laughs> thoughts go through. Oh, so what I'm doing? Gotcha. So one, the things that I feel like that I think is very important is that we have to not just nurture, but we have to affect our nature. I mean, the nurturing aspect of the nature, not the nature of the internal, which is the environment. So for me, I'm, company, I'm only going to be hiring black black people, black men and women. I focus on black men because I believe that a black man who is fully mentally healthy has, there's never a question of what your position is. A black man that's mentally healthy will naturally protect and provide, and not just with money, naturally. But we're not in that space because of all the mental health issues that come from our socioeconomic status. So for me, one of the things that I have to do, I feel, is to figure out ways to empower economically our people but also mentally empower our people with the, um, say it, Jackie, the program, say it, say the name. The Royalty Project. Royalty Project. I told you 40 thoughts. But like, so for me, it's, there is no verses. And black people, we have to get out of this dichotomy idea. Frederick Douglass and, um, and, 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 and I'm the other guy's name, Dubois. Like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. We need all of us. There is no one that's more important than the other. And we get caught up in this, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there. But what we have to realize is that while we go there, the other places are still absolutely necessary, which, again, I want to say is one of the beautiful things about this space and why I'm completely blowing off a chapter meeting for this meeting right here. <laughs> Thank you, good brother. So, so with that being said, you know, Copeland covered a lot that we really want to discuss. Um, you know, do you guys feel that there is too much emphasis put on nurture versus nature? Um, I, I think to Jackie's point and to, um, you know, KTI's point and to Copeland's point, um, there are aspects of nurture and nature that um, impacts our mental health as a whole. Um, do you guys feel as though that we focus over one over the other too much or society does too much? I think as a, as a parent, um, I was thinking about some of the things that Copeland said. And, um, you know, I think we have to be very careful about how we nurture, because sometimes we might be nurturing like the, in the same way, like the oppressor. Um, you know, we have to be, you know, twice as good to, 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 to succeed. That's a reality. Mm -hmm. Expose your child to that reality. But you don't want to beat them down and then now possibly limit them. Um, you want them to be kind of creative. You want them to discover and fail on their own. So, you know, as my as my son gets older, um, he's a teenager now, I have to kind of step back, still be there to kind of, you know, balance him if he starts to fall too far, but still have to let him um, 
make his own decisions and, and, and try things out for himself and kind of learn on his own rather than always keeping the leash, you know, short. So I think we have to be very careful about that. Hmm. So I, 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 conversations like this are very important for that specific reason because I'm sorry, hold on. Um, because we get, I'm in my truck. I'm in my truck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Jackie, let me tell you something. You ain't never going to have to ask that question again with your royalty. No, I couldn't see you. So you were ducking. That was like, where you at? Put, your, put yourself in the field. Yeah, my bad. My bad. It fell. It's probably going to fall again in a few seconds. But yeah, it's very important for us to have these conversations because one of the things, like, I don't think that we dig deep enough into nature versus nurture. Because think about it. When you just, like, how often can we really have these conversations? How often do people in the middle of their grind really want to sit down and intellectualize their fight of oppression? It's very, it's very, very rare. So I think that this is spaces like this, spaces like this that have the divine masculine and the divine feminine in it at the same time working on the same goal is super important. This right here may be the single most important aspect of that village mentality is the adult council. Our, how are we raising our children to further our future? What is What are you doing? Like, what's your skill? Because your skill is your nature, and that's probably going to go in your son. My son is, you know, he's just like me. And I'm watching him, and I'm like, yo, I can't. He's jumping off the couch, and I'm like, can he get hurt? No, not unless he bounces off and falls on the floor. But I mean, he's going to heal. Jump on the couch, bruh. It's going to be fun. I want, <laughs> it doesn't, because the, I ne what, my number one thing, material things never matter. People matter. So I never yell at him for throwing his toys or breaking anything or anything material. The only time I ever yell at him I, and I'm, as I'm taking my inventory is when he's being unkind to somebody else or not, not wanting to share or being selfish. Those are literally the only times because that's, I think that that's one of, if we're nicer, Kitia, if we, if we were nicer to you when you came over to America, you wouldn't have the idea that we don't have village. It's not that we don't have village, you were just excluded. White people got mm -hmm. village too. They got the master, mm -hmm. they, got their, they got their country clubs. We don't even know what them things look like on the inside. So we're like, they, they don't be partying, they don't be chilling, they in there doing lines of white stuff, you know? So it's, for me, the main thing is how do we treat each other? And that's what it is that we have to teach our kids because guess what? None of your kids are gonna be stupid. Not one of them. I can hear it just by listening to you. So you don't even have to focus on their intelligence. Just don't be stupid and they'll be fine. <laughs> what they don't get a lot of outside, like you said, is the love, which is probably why your son is quiet. He's like, yo, I don't mess with you. Y'all don't love me. You don't care about me. I'm not talking to you. You know how many kids I know that intrinsically do that? They don't care what you know until they know that you care. That's how kids work. That's mm -hmm. how we work because we, we're still kids. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't even know what I was doing here today. But guess what? Bird told me to come, so I'm coming because I know that he knows me. He cares about me. He cares about mm -hmm. what I care about. He's never going to put me in a position that I don't want to be in. Our kids should have that same feeling about us 
and the people that we bring around them. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't have. It's a belonging. That's what that is. It's the belonging. It's the way. It's what we all want. It's what kids want. It's what. And it even goes back to what Ramon was saying. If, if you can't, you can't discipline a child unless you have relationship. I think I heard a quote that said, "Rules without relationship leads to rebellion." So if you if you are and actually even you were bringing this up earlier, talking about how um, has discipline in our youth, our kids, the fact that we are not allowed as a community to discipline our kids um, change the way we treat the village. It's not that we can't discipline our kids. We just can't beat them. We just can't, yes, you know, yes. like we just can't beat them. There are much, there are other ways to discipline them. And especially with that belonging. And that's why in certain instances, maybe it's not the, the term actually timeout, but it is the retraction of belonging. It is the retraction of love that is di- that is true discipline. It's true discipline when you when you are, especially when you are already a loving person, a loving parent, a loving aunt, a loving village member. And then something goes wrong with the child in the village and you retract that love, you retract that attention. That is discipline. So yeah, we, 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 we can't beat other people's kids anymore, but we definitely can discipline them. And there, there are a variety of ways that may be even more effective than physically disciplining a child. It's and then no. COVID, I, I cannot, not, I cannot pass, pass over the, the floor without acknowledging something that you said that is so important to the Royalty Project, so important to me, and I'm sure it's important to everyone on this call and everyone that's listening, and that is the divine masculine and feminine and how powerful that is. The Royalty Project is not just a brotherhood. It is not just a sister circle. It is a joint interest between kings and queens. Everything we do is co-facilitated by a male and a female. Why? Because it's important for our, one, it's important for us to be in partnership. That's, that's, it's important for us as adults to be in partnership. Two, it's important for our youth to see us in partnership. If you co-facilitate, if you co-host, if you co-lead something, first you have to prepare and you have to plan. And that is the concept of what's going on here with cheese on my cracker without you guys even knowing it. The black man and the black woman running this this show has to spend hours of prep and preparing in order for this to be produced. So everything the Royalty Project does, we, we have a male lead and a female lead prep and prepare so that they can show how to lead in a masculine and a feminine walking together. Because together we are divinity. The male and the female together in tandem, in relationship, in in space, working in cooperation together is divinity. Can I touch on can I jump on that one? I just want to say one Jump on it. Story, I left it there wanna, for you to jump on it. I, I want to talk. I love that. This this part right here to me is so important. I had a friend one day from massage school. And we were we were doing I don't well, we were doing California things, I guess. So and I'm just, you know, I'm that way, I'm just like thinking random, crazy things. And I do social experiments without people's permission. So hopefully nobody comes after me with this. So I'm like, walk down the street. When you as a woman walk down the street, you notice the way that people look at you or not look at you. When me as a man, I walk down the street, I notice how people look at me. So then I told her, we're going to walk down the street holding hands for the rest of the day. Do you know how many people... It, the fear of the black man was gone. The fear of the black woman was gone. Do you know how many people came up to us just to say how beautiful that looked? 
just yep, to say know. that. <laughs> like that, yo, that, and, 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 and mind you, I'm a single black man and I hate the way our society is and the game that everybody plays. That's mainly the reason why I'm single now because I have to focus on my son's economic future and empire. But that I under, like that, our connection, we are, they're forcing us to not be connected. And this mm-hmm. is how they're doing it. The black woman is on this side of the spectrum. Then you have the mm-hmm. white male. So you have the nurturing creators of everything. And then you have the colonizers. This society was created by white men. This is undisputable fact. We know this. The founding fathers. So in order to succeed in this society, you must, to us, to, to some degree, more, some more than others, emulate the white man. And what that has done, the fact that the black man has been kicked down in this economy and the black woman has been allowed to come up without us realizing it, what that you guys are having to be. On a daily basis, you are having to be more and more white men. So the reaction to that that some black women have to black men is a re- reaction that a white man would have to a black man. And sometimes the reaction that a black man has to a black woman is the reaction a black man would have to a white man. Like all of all of this is is happening under the surface because we can't be brought down from our economic pursuits. I just said it for myself that I'm afraid of involving another person because of the economic pursuits that I have for my son. This is a mentality that we have that is so detrimental to us because it's not saying that black women can't be in the workforce. Not be in the workforce. We can both be in the workforce. It's just that before you get out there, our mentality has our constitution has to be unshakable so that we know why we're going out there. Because Jews, while they look white, they don't be going home and acting like white men. They be going home and be and being in their Torah. We have to be the same way. So with that said, I want to kind of bring us back into the discussion of nurture versus nature. Um, um, Jackie and Ramon, um, can you guys kind of give us a, you know, brief understanding of how the royalty project helps to change the nature of what has been taught to our youth to a place where they come out better on the other side just so that our audience has an understanding of the 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 message and impact of the royalty project Ramon, you look like you double dutching, so I'm gonna let you take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's a. The first thing that I think we let them know right off the bat is that you are the, the kids intrinsically already know that they're great. There's a fear of showing that greatness, and um, with what we talked about in terms of releasing, we we, we let them we go through a, a, a go through sessions that allow them to kind of peel back or tear away at those, those things that, that bind them. Um, you know, we talk about culture, our sessions are culture, missing history, wealth, image, melanin, and self-expression. You know, you know culture is our first session. And one of the things that, that get torn away immediately is that stereotypes are unreliable. They're false. All you need is just one thing that's different and it's no longer true. Because mm-hmm. there's black people that hate watermelon. Yep. <laughs> so 
<laughs> once you put that out, there, <laughs> once you put that out there, it's totally, you know, it's totally debunked. So they they're allowed to go through our process week by week, kind of stripping a chain each week, and then yep. now they realize by by the fourth session they realize they can break those chains themselves, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. just going along for they're just going along for the ride. And then now when they have their uh, we have our, our crowning ceremony where they receive their crowns as queens or kings. They understand that I'm ready to do battle. So one of the things that I wanted before you get there, Copeland, you know, we want to make sure we we um, we, we emphasize the phases, right? Without just giving away the program. Um, Copeland mentioned, you know, the reason he's not with anybody right now is to build a legacy for his child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, more so a fiscal aspect of things. Um, can you guys kind of touch on the um, session you guys have around financial literacy? Because, um, you know, uh, listening to the program, um, it's something that is amazing because you guys give them an opportunity to make choices that as adults we struggle with, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind kind of, touching on that where you can without giving away the sauce, um, that would be great because, you know, it would give someone like Copeland the perspective of, and maybe not just Copeland, but anybody watching the perspective of the sooner our youth understand the value that they have with the dollar in their pocket, um, you know, they can, they can do great things in this world. For our, what, the way we attack that and teach financial, some financial literacy, is through our wealth section. Um, they get to understand how their parents uh, take care take care of them, the decisions that some of their parent their parents have to make. Also, we teach them um, that it's not just about money; it's about your physical well being. So, mm-hmm. one of the things that we say to them is that you have to save and you have to make sure that you have a gym membership. You know, those are one of the things that we say. Really simple, you know, simple <laughs> things, but it's part of you know, staying healthy, um, you know, the more you exercise is, is connected to your, your mental well-being as well. Um, they, get to, they get to understand that certain, um, certain careers will lead to them have, being able to have certain experiences a lot earlier. But also um, what we do teach them is that they can create a business of their own. They can create their own mm-hmm. lane and also Profit from it, but also uplift the community at the same time. And that's and the value our- of pursuing your dream, the value of not chasing money, and the value mm-hmm. of time. Time is your greatest resource. So Ramon is referring to when when we talk about or when he mentioned that they get to understand what their parent, the decisions that their parents make. The well session is basically a real world simulation. So um, each youth is given a choice based on the time that they arrived at the session um, because we like to reward punctuality and make sure that we're all um, in entering into the space in a timely manner. So you get to choose the career that you will assimilate into for this session. And that career comes with a lifestyle. The lifestyle comes with um, bills and expenses and debt and car payments and um, just decisions that you need to make about what you pay and then decisions about um, how you spend your discretionary income. What are you doing to ensure that your life 
is a full and complete life. And then budgeting that with what you can afford. Um, it's often the it's often the favorite session when we ask our youth at the end, and um, Ramon beautifully laid out all the sessions. When we ask our youth with the at the end, most often the answer is to we ask them what their favorite session is. Most often the answer is well, well, and one because in our community we don't often um, we don't often approach the subject of money with our children. Mm -hmm. We don't like we we a lot of us even, you know, of a lot of us have revealed that we weren't allowed to ask about money like that was our parents business. So we didn't really understand money until we perhaps went to went to college in the first year we were given that you know, freshman credit card that we probably still paid off mm -hmm. for the next 10 years. So instead of instead of um, us waiting for it to be their turn, we make it their turn at 10 years old, 11 years old, at 12 years old. Let's see how you make these decisions. And oftentimes what comes back is um, the parents will say, you know what, I don't know what you guys did in the well session, but there is a new appreciation for what we do as parents and how much we have to spend. There's a new appreciation for experiences rather than just things and possessions. Um, it's really impactful and not just not just identifying that, that there is black wealth or there is wealth in the black community and black economics, but understanding how to change the definition of wealth so that it's not just centered around money. Wow. Oh, is it too late to get Sister Katia's uh, two 15-year-olds in this program? No, I mean, it's not. We've actually no. had 15-year-olds. Like we, The target age is, is 10 to 14, but we have a halo effect. We've had some nine-year-olds, some mature nine-year-olds, and we've also had some 15-year-olds. In our last cycle, we graduated two 15-year-olds, actually. Um, so, but I would have... I Betsy, if you if you want that to happen, or even if you want one of the two, like you said, one is more engaged. They don't they're twins, but they don't have to do everything together. If you feel like you want one or both to to be a part of it, I'd I'd invite you to in, to invite your your sons to be a part. Actually, actually, I just pay for a financial literacy program for them. Mm -hmm. They started on Sunday. It was a three days course because mm -hmm. I needed them to develop that appreciation for money mm -hmm. to. Have Concept, but you know, you yeah. know, just yeah. As they're growing up, and oh, that's they, important. What sometimes you can tell the kid, but when they hear it from somebody else, yeah, they could absorb it and process it differently. So, wow, that's the value of mentorship. That's the value of mentorship. A lot of times, our parents say the same thing. Um, the parents of the youth said the same thing. I told them that. I told them that. But sometimes, when it comes from someone else. You, mm -hmm. They may understand the value a little differently. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, yep. Wow. I just want yeah. I just want to say one thing before I ask. Before, I want to say two things actually. I think <laughs> that I've always had an issue with money because I understood what money was. I had an issue. I have an issue with power because of I've never seen a powerful person. We've never seen a monster moose in our day, and so I have these issues, and so. A question I would have asked before you spoke, um, Ramon, about um, getting a gym membership also. Because one of 
one thing that I plan on doing for my son is never making, I never want him, a lot of our questions about money came from worry because we couldn't get things that we want. I never want him to worry about money. I always want to have access to it, but I, I do want him to know how to utilize it, um, utilize it well. So I think that's absolutely, because I, I would never go to a financial literacy anything. Because mm -hmm. I have financial literacy people. I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to talk about that. But what you guys are talking about actually interests me. So I yeah. want to say that. Secondly, I'm going to say this to you, Jackie, with Ramon listening. Now that I know that the two of you are partners, if you guys don't call me, I'm going to beat Ramon up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jackie, you now have I put in the fire. I'm not even talking. I put in the chat. Copeland, I already got you signed up. You, you, I put in the chat the link for you to schedule the days that you're going to mentor. That's all. And for anyone else that's interested in mentoring, we still need. So we have so far 35 youth that have, or 35 parents that have enrolled their youth into the spring 2021 cycle, which actually starts this Saturday. Um, the deadline to apply had passed. It was Friday, but we are extending five. We have five more spaces because we have that many committed mentors that would like to see as many youth as possible get into this program and take this journey. What we ask of our mentors, um, we ask our mentors to, because we only ask people to mentor because they are superheroes in their lives and superheroes are busy. We have seven weeks, six weeks of workshop, and then a crowning. We ask you to commit to two weeks. If you commit to two weeks, I guarantee you're going to do more. But we ask you to commit to two weeks. And two weeks meaning two cycle or two sessions. The sessions begin at 11 o'clock promptly. That's when we let our youth into the session over the Zoom. But we as adults, we take 15 minutes before and we do a pregame so that we set the tone and set the intention for what's to come. We go over the agenda, we go over potential questions or whatever else can arise during that session. So we ask you to stay for 15 minutes before. And like Ashley asked us to stay for a few minutes after, we ask the mentors to stay a few minutes after so that we know we do a check-in that we're doing the right thing. The session started at 11, they end about two. And we ask you to stay another 10, 15 minutes just so we can do a mentor powwow. That's for two reasons. One, we need the feedback. Two, like-minded people need to be in communication with each other. We need to be building each other. Iron sharpens iron. We need to exist in a space and we need to create our own communities. We cannot be good mentors if we're not making sure we're good people. Look at Copeland, he's smitten. He's like, where y'all been all my life? He's like me this, this year. <laughs> this, uh, it is truly awesome. And it's, it's, it's so amazing to me because what happens when you do things like this is that you just get validation because what we're talking about here, these, the issues in our community, no matter what aspect you choose to attack it from, the issues in our community all center from the same thing. We're having the same conversations that me and my frat brothers are having. Like we're having the same conversations that me and my friends are having. We're having the same conversations that me and some old friend are having that are being on Facebook. 
but we're yeah. never we, the what we don't have that every other community has that black people don't even truly understand. We don't have think tanks. So how can we possibly have a direction for our community without having a think tank? Like we, we know about people say there's this delay that everybody wants to get, become a part of, but that's like a secret society. We don't need a secret society. We need somebody that is out there and who is worried about the average man in our community and what it is that we can do. How can we improve this nurture, this nature? How can we nurture the nature around our people so that their nature can truly come out? Mm -hmm. So, well, I mean, y'all are, y'all are, y'all are mm -hmm. awesome. Y'all made me curse, so I would just, I would just yield my time. Keep it I swear you have a gift because that's literally the next question. Um, so I'm loving this conversation. I'm loving this this community, this village that we have here. Um, it's a village. So, right? So aside <laughs> from, um, I know we have the Royalty Project and we have uh, some educators and we all work with the youth in different way. Um, what do you think we can do to promote leveraging our village or, um, I'm sorry, leveraging our village to ensure that our youth are properly supported? Okay, so now a lot of these questions I'm noticing, the answers to them are all going to happen organically once we start to get back to being a village. Because right now, if I, I don't even know our careers, but there's at least three or four different careers on here. Three or four different careers with people who are forward-thinking and entrepreneurial-minded who are now going to have the ability to not only guide the youth, but hire the youth. Mm -hmm. It actually really, it actually really just works itself out because, like, like Jackie said, and I realize, I, you know, I love, I love, I, I don't mind subterfuge, you know, I don't mind covert operations. I love ninja operations and stuff. So I understand that by making people only commit to two, and then getting them in there for two, you just made a friend. You're not about to leave that friend. You're gonna yeah. look forward to meeting with that friend. So, but if you were to tell hey, people to commit to 11 weeks, then I would be like, I ain't got 11 weeks for you. But two, nah, I'm, you're right, I'm smitten. I, I, I'm very rarely speechless. But like with this right here, that's a, I think that Ashley, what you're doing right here is doing that. You're literally leveraging yeah. the village. Yeah. You just, like, there's a connection that's been made, like, these guys, I'm there. I'm like a fan. Like I'm about to be a groupie for the, for the royalty project. Like this is so simply by simply by putting us in the same room with just it's the energy. It's once the love is there, all of this stuff is going to happen. It can't not. I we I don't we wouldn't want to. You want to do it. Everybody who doesn't want to do it. And so it, I. I think that this is what we have to do. We have to ha make sure that we're talking, having that 15 minutes after the actual event, after what it is that we do. Not get so caught up in the grind that we don't sit down and check in and see where yeah. we've evolved. Like we, you so, will be on a project together eight months and not talk and be completely different people at the end. Right? So, so I, I wanted to kind of. Um, you know, a conversation, and I'm just going to divulge a little bit of our conversation the other day, Copeland. 
So I expressed to Copeland what the royalty project was about. He was like, yeah, that's amazing. Um, I really want to present this to the school board that I'm working with. And um, the only problem is I can't really, can I be a fly on the wall, right? And nope. so he's like, I want to be a fly on the wall so I can kind of report back because I feel like if I get engaged, I won't be able to kind of uh, independently report back. <laughs> and so now it's great to see a complete reversal. It's like, all right, they're going to get my report at a later time. I just want to be involved. And so, you know, it, it, it goes to show how um, our village is being built one step at a time. And, you know, to kudos to Ashley for putting this platform together to allowing us to be able to do that because, you know, Copeland would have still been like, all right, I need to send her this proposal. But now Copeland's going to be an, an, on, on an, Saturday. Uh, on Saturday, and he's going to be like, all right, I was supposed to be covert, but looks like I'm going to be straight no up. No way. There's no way you can be covert. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that, though. Like, and I was trying to prepare myself. But sometimes I'd be lying to myself, you know? It's like, yeah, I'm going to go into Walmart I mean, and just get this soap. And I ended up with $100 later. That's a large-ass bowling ball set that I just happened to get for my son. And it's like I bought a whole bunch of stuff for him and his friends. So, yeah, I mean, but I, like, I didn't, I don't need to, that's not something that needs to be sold to a person like me. But if you keep on talking about it, I might leap through the screen because it's, <laughs> these spaces, these spaces of high-level thinking are very rare in our community. So, so you said that before earlier, Copeland, but I um I feel like I lived that all my life. And maybe because yeah. we've created such a dynamic that this is this is this is normal conversation for us. This is what we do. So welcome welcome to the tribe. I mean, I know y'all think y'all are sad. they almost did it again. Y'all are, are special. Like and 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 there's not a lot of special people out there, and what and there's even less special people that are able to congregate because they're surrounded by so much mundane that it just kind of makes them have to isolate themselves to not be taken over by it. Like mm -hmm. I think one of my great like even though I I wish that I had met you guys all sooner, I'm Me I too. feel like the, my ability to insulate myself and never. Like nothing was good enough for me to sell out to something that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be a part of society. I was a gypsy nomad for the better part of my twenties and the early thirties. I was a massage therapist before. I was I was really good though. Like I was like a specialized massage therapist. Not like, like, no, but like professional, like injuries and all. I was really good, but I was just doing that because I enjoyed the healing aspect of it. Like I would literally just walk through life doing what I felt like doing. And it was always the hardest thing was for me to get groups where I saw power, where I saw people who had the ability to make something shape. It was so hard for me to get them to put down that stuff for a second to worry about our kids. It was it was then impossible. And so I've developed this. I just got to do it my own way. Like, that's the reason why I even have this trucking company is to be able to affect it that way. But like... Like this, I mean, I, I yeah. So, so Sister Katia, um, 
you know, having heard what we've, we've talked about, right. Um, you know, what are some of the things? Cause it, it, I noticed that you've, because you haven't had the village, you've had to go out and find the resources yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some things that you think can be done at least for yourself to kind of expand your, your network? Cause one of the things that I know for sure is um, my mom talks about you all the time. She tells me you ask about me all the time. And yeah. I know, um, you know, religion serves its purpose in certain times. Um, and I will say that with the advent of COVID, a lot of the prayer prayer phone calls have gone stronger and stronger. Yeah. Um, and my mom's met you over the prayer lines to the point where I think the first time I met you was dropping food off all the way from Philadelphia to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. And so um, how are you kind of leveraging or promoting the leverage of your network? Because I, I will say the, the, the prayer line is a powerful village and a powerful network because in your darkest, a lot of people were there to kind of support yeah. you, lift you up. I mean, you mentioned um, having lost your, your mother and your sister within a short time frame, And there was a galvanization. I'm not even sure if that's a word, but we're going to make it a word. That is um, a word. Right. So there was a galvanization around making sure you were taken care of by all means necessary. Talk about how, you know, finding that village and being able to grow with that village. It may not be the 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 um, the normal village that we would particularly, you know, face to face knowing people. These are just people you met over the phone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And through prayer and through sharing exchanges, which is similar to what the Royalty Project is doing, is like over the internet now, right? They're sharing with the children. So talk to us how you came into this village and how it's helped you. Well, well Katia, can I, can I ask just a prerequisite question? What would you consider your village to be now? I know you said you had a village and you described it in Haiti, but what would you consider your, your village to be today? Wait up, wait up. I'm the co-host here. I asked the question. I know what you're saying, how she uh, leveraged it, but I want to know just, what it is. I'm just, I'm, I was act, I actually prefaced it, but we're going to let her go. With, you're going, we, Jackie's taking my job, so Ashley, I'm not now taking I'm your job. Co-host. No, I'm joking. Go That's ahead. all good, because I'm trying to take Jackie's job. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's just a lot of love. I mean, um, I've met these people, and there's a lot of them I've never met. I don't know them. I've met Paige Mom because we went to the retreat together. But oh. there's a lot of them. But I feel like I know them. I feel like I know each and every single one of them. And as far as um, the love and the support, I mean, um, it was a lonely time for me. But they show me, they always reach out and sometimes unexpectedly. And I don't, I'd be like, I don't want the food. And somebody would just ring the doorbell and bring the food and drop some water and drop it. Mm. It's just, just surrounding by love. And I felt like, okay, okay, I lost my mom. I lost my sister. 
they were really my support system. But look at this new community that forms around me. I don't feel, I mean, yeah, the physical separation, I miss them, but I still feel there's so much love. And I'm, I feel like I'm just surrounded by all this affection. Everybody's pulling on me. Everybody wants to reach out to see how am I doing? How are my days? What's going on? What's next for me? It is great. And as far as um, leveraging what you guys are saying, you guys are doing it. It's the conversation. You're starting it. You see what was missing in the community, you go for it. And then we're empowering our youth by just doing that. Because we don't talk about money. And we don't have that love and appreciation for money. Because I know where I came from. We were said, oh, money is not everything. You don't have to. But you have to appreciate it in order to, for it to come to you. So you guys are doing that. And education is very powerful. Like, I felt like my boys needed that. And I, I go for it. I went for it. And I was looking for a way. I wish I had known about your program earlier. I don't know if Paige had mentioned it, but really, I wish I had known about it. But since you say it's not too late, I'm going to try to see if I could get the boys to join it. Yay. Absolutely. It's great. And good job, you guys. I have to give you the flowers here. You will be compensated for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'll keep you guys in prayers. I will keep you in prayers. Please. I get prayers. <laughs> I think that one of the things we can also do is to um, insert ourselves in unique spaces. Um, I know that you know church might not be for everyone. Or let's no, let, me, let me go back. So let's say you do go to church. A lot of us go to church on Sunday and then go home and still stick with our our same familiar circle. One of the things that I did that I would say changed my life was I decided to go on one of those retreats that you always hear about. Um, men's retreat, and um, I actually met a brother that I would see going up and down in my in my building. And one of the things with this whole COVID thing, um, he, him and another gentleman that's also a teacher in the building, they took me hiking. Now, in my mind, hiking, like what I said earlier, is like it seems like a white thing to do. But, you know, it, it was the most amazing and relaxing thing to see how, um, you know, you're just walking through the woods and you see the tree over there, the bush over there, you know, a rabbit running by. They're surviving and they're being taken care of and not worrying about things. And I'm here stressing over all these different things. I'm going to be good. I'm, well, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm positioned in the right way. I'm created in a great way. And just having this space to just make sure that my mind is clear. And, 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 and that all that came from was inserting myself into a new space. So in terms of finding those like-minded individuals and then now um, selecting a common project, um, you can definitely just insert yourself in places that you don't normally go, especially if there are gonna be black faces there or you have the invitation of one person um, that you have some familiarity with, you can definitely build that, that network and that, that team that'll attack that particular problem and another team in another space, you attack another problem. Yeah. You know, find solutions to. Right. I mm -hmm. wanted to ask another question. So um, I know earlier, Ramon, you mentioned about how it's not a question that all of the youth are great. It's just that they lack the confidence to like be that greatness, and that's one of the things that the uh, program brings out. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think? Um, I know that that's you know one of the outcomes of royalty project but how do you think we can overcome feeling insufficient because we as a community don't like to ask for help 
Hmm. Um, with, with regard to what I do, I'm not going to necessarily speak about the royalty project, but mm -hmm. um, you have to just be observant and sometimes just offer it. Sometimes people won't ask. And, but if you look closely enough, you see that they need it. And, and just, they may not accept it the first time you offer it, but mm -hmm. if they, they're informed that you're there if they need it in, in, in another moment. And I think that's something that, that, that can be done. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to add, I want to add a part two to that. Well, a, a different side to that. Um, you know, there, there are people that pride and ego prevents them from reaching out to their village. How do we, how do we open the space? You know, it, and it's hard to tell who those people are. How do we make the space available for people to not feel as that, they're insufficient for asking help. It's 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 the it's really 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 hard because everything in society teaches us America pushes this idea of a meritocracy, and that is the reason why a lot of these people when they're falling off the hard times, people who haven't ever like seen anybody good fall on hard times. They don't want to expose that they've fallen on hard times. And this is why the friendship in the community is so important. Because when we're friends, we've already shared spaces that have made that vulnerability okay. Like, mm -hmm. I can tell you if I'm going through some stuff. Like, you can tell me if you're going, like, just in conversation. So now I know. You don't even have to ask me for help because we're just talking about how are you doing. But it's not a, hey, what's up, you know, but as a, just a greeting, I really want to know what's up. So we, so it, like I said, this, what we're doing now and practicing this, you know, the muggles of the world is what's going to make that easier. And also it's, I want to talk about something really quickly because I want to talk about it a long time ago. And then it was one of those 50, 50 thoughts, but I think it was the most important thing. It's this idea of humility that's pushed in a meritocracy, right? Because in a meritocracy, if you're doing well, that's because you're great. But yet, they push this idea of humility on us. But for what? The only reason why anybody should ever be humble is if you don't actually believe in yourself. But if you do believe in yourself, and we understand that speaking words is speaking power, why are we limiting the ability to speak about our greatness. My greatness doesn't necessarily mean that you're not great, but just because you're insecure about your greatness, that, that also doesn't mean that I should have to not talk about my greatness. Everybody's their own favorite subject. So I think opening the space allows us to do all of that. And then sometimes maybe it's your friends. You know, I'd be able to tell my friends sometimes. They'd be like, yeah, you know, like I just did this or I just did that. And I'm like, you know how much I hate the word just? Especially when they'd be talking about monumental little our own accomplishments. Yeah, like yeah. because this idea of humility is pushed on us to a point that it's unhealthy. Because you guys need to know. You guys, Jackie and Ramon, you guys need to know that what the loyal, that what the royalty project is doing is monumental, 
and can we literally know. change. Yeah, like that, but but that's what I'm we saying. are in like, full awareness that we are making history. We are in full awareness of that, and that's why we're so intentional about it. And that's what I'm. Saying. I can see how intentional you guys are. I know. I know that you guys know that. Yeah. I'm just saying, for example, but look at what the, knowing how important it is, and knowing how important you are to this. Look at the space that it's put you in. Look how diligent you are. Look how look how like you got all the deep, every T cross, all the eyes dotted because you know. You don't take this as just something that you know everybody goes to school, so I just go to school. You know? Like yeah. so you you need to understand. Like I tell my nieces the truth all the time. You're great. This school system yeah. isn't good enough for you. Don't worry yeah. about that. Just get your just just get through it. You gotta go through it anyway. It sucks. And you know what her least favorite subject is? History. She's a black woman who wants to learn an old white. She doesn't right see. Long. She doesn't see herself in that history. She doesn't see herself in that history. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But we shouldn't expect that. And I, I think that's another another thing that people, because um, uh, the second this second dispelling and we're revealing history, missing history throughout the whole thing. Um, but missing history is a specific session. And there's a lot of people that's like, this is, it's just so awful that this is not taught in schools. This is not awful that it's not taught in schools. Why did, why would we expect anyone other than our community to educate our youth about how great we are? Why would we even expect that? Why would we even anticipate that you would go to a public school or a school that's not based and rooted in your community and expect your youth to learn about themselves, their history, their ancestors, their abilities, their capabilities, and their greatness? Other ethnic groups do it, do it outside of their school. They go to Hebrew school. They go to, you know, learn the Asian language, whatever Asian language. They have culture courses in which they learn about their history and they learn about their culture and their principles and what what their journey is that led them to where they are today. And they also use that as an empowerment tool so that they continue to build their community from within and they continue to create economic, economic opportunities, growth, expansion, they, they, they do it on their own in their own silos. So this is what we're doing. And actually, this is the vision of the Royalty Project to become the official culture class of black young youth in America. Wow. That's right. Everywhere. <laughs> talk that talk. You know what I'm saying? We need to educate our own children. We need to tell them how great they are. We need to tell them that they have space to be whatever they want to be. We need to spend more time with them. There are a lot of us that don't have children. A lot of the mentors don't have children or don't have children within the program age. And and the fact that these children don't have visibility to us and we don't have visibility to them affects our lives. It affects our lives when we don't have youth in it. Youth create that that reverse mentoring is is a thing. It's the thing. Young people have not been told no. Young people have not been beaten down. Young people have not had the boxes that we create for ourselves as adults. When we spend more time with young people, we are willing to take more risks. We are willing to be bolder. We are willing to be braver. When Whenever I'm, I'm a scary cat, I don't like scary movies. I don't like things that go bump in the dark, all of that. But if I have my godchildren and my nieces and nephews with me, I am fearless. There is no fear. 
It's something about having a child around that makes reminds you about the protection that you need to have for them, one. And then two, it creates a space for you to be fearless. I went natural because I started mentoring younger girls and they were like, you relaxing your hair, Miss Jackson? You relaxing it? Like, it was like, you're right. I want everything, everything when I show up, if I don't say one word, I want you to know I enjoy being black. I enjoy it. I want to show up in a space and you already know I don't even have to say anything to you. Being black is a part of me that I am proud of, that I love, that I enjoy. And I got that understanding by spending time with you. Mm-hmm. I, yo, so, yo, I just got triggered. I, yes. I need a minute. You triggered again? I feel like you talked the whole time. It's them, though. They be doing, yo, I, I'm literally crying right now. I'm not even going to. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Come on, go ahead, because, go ahead, Copeland. Nah, because like what you're saying is so important to me because of my because of what my son has done to me. Like he has made the like just by his existence, not even with the stuff that you're talking about, like just his existence. And then what you are talking about, it's so real because right now I just finally gave in to my friends who told me to watch Naruto. And I'm watching it and the and like one of the central like concepts in that is exactly what you're talking about. This young kid who's not who's portrayed as not even that smart, but all it is is just that he's not book smart. So he does he was never taught his limitations. He has brought out things in the adults who are like Joni, yeah. like these are high, high level ninjas, and he is able to bring those things out. And it and the reason why I'm like tearing up is because I have become a better like I was dope before I had a kid. Like I thought I was I was pretty solid for everything that I wanted. I was straight. But when I got him, I have like this new ability to learn and process things, and I'm becoming like even more political. Like I've only really slipped up almost twice in cursed. And for me, that's amazing. Like the ability to like stay in a space. And I know, like Paige said, was I was kind of talking a lot, but I'm as you guys trigger me. And that's kind of why I think that's exactly why he brought me here with his super manipulative Hannibal from eighteen. So, oh yeah, he's a master manipulator. I just like you said. Like I, I almost feel like after everything that you guys say, I have to take a minute to say how important and how beautiful it is to know that there is somebody somewhere else actually thinking and working upon this thing. Because it feel when you don't have that community, these thoughts that you have, and then like when you do have friends you can talk to, we, we're busy. We don't get to talk every day. So yeah. it, it's, it's, it's inspiring now for me to know that like my decision to homeschool my son is, is the right way to go. Like, to teach him to, to make sure he has access to money so he knows how to use it, but to understand about health. Like it to un and the fact that I have I'm looking for other parents with kids, like he has a friend, because I literally, even though I don't like people at all, I understand how important it is for 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 humans in general to still have that sense of community. So yeah. even though I even though I don't want to you know, because I feel like I could be self-sufficient. I'm still looking to develop a community for him so that 
he understands that because this right here is mm -hmm. like this is it this is yeah. this is it this is it right here and y'all are amazing and i'm just happy i could get to be here with my trucker self <laughs> awesome awesome well thank you thank you all for joining um you know this has been a dope conversation um mm -hmm. ashley you put together a great group of people um Thanks, and ashley. so kudos to ashley yeah. for making this happen um and you know we really want to thank you all for jumping on and telling your truths your personal truths your experiences um because you never know who else has been going through what you're going through and you can give them a glimmer of hope right mm -hmm. um from the royalty project to truck driving copeland to sister katia you guys give people a real look as as to what they can see within themselves as going through these and um once again kudos to ashley for putting together this platform because one of the things that we don't do enough are have the discussions that allow us to heal um, instead of continuing passing down generational trauma. So with that said, thank you, Ashley. And, um, you know, either Ramona or Jackie, if you guys can kind of tell us where people can find the royalty project um, and any important information that we may need to know, um, so that they can sign up and get their kids yeah. together. They can uh, visit the website at www.theroyaltyproject.org. Um, what should pop up first is uh, an application, an in, a link for an application. So you can apply to have your youth uh, 10 to 14 or a mature nine-year-old or a well-behaved 15-year-old. Uh, can be a part of our, be a part of our, our, our crew. Um, if you'd like to be a mentor, we have uh, same same thing. Go to our mentor our webpage and go to events, and you'll see an opportunity to sign up to be a mentor there. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Session is this our first session is this Saturday, um, so let's you know make a move, make a move quickly. We'll, we'll still accept. I just want to make one note too, that we also, we have, this is a virtual cycle, but we learned that we need to have tangible assets, aspects of the cycle. So we, in advance of the cycle, we send um, each youth a royal package. It's a black package with gold writing sent to them, addressed to the youth. And they get a t-shirt, which Ashley is wearing right now. I think Ramon is wearing the t-shirt as well, a logo tee, so that they already know they down with the crown. They get seven energy crystals and the seven energy crystals align with the, um, the energy that we wanna manifest in each session. They also receive some, some stickers, some branding stickers. There you go, you got your, you got your royal package, Ashley. Seven energy crystals that align with all of the sessions, all of the weeks. And then they also receive a journal so that they can journal their um, experience. We also ask mentors to journal their experience as well. And then at the end of this amazing seven week journey, we um, show at the crowning ceremony, which is their rites of passage graduation ceremony, we show a 10 minute documentary, like a cycle documentary of their journey. So we record every session 
We also asked some of the, we asked the parents to record them in different spaces at different times. Um, and we put that all together for a cycle documentary. If you want a really good glimpse and look at what we've done in the past in our cycles, you can go to the website and events also. And there is um, a link to um, all of the doc, all of the cycle documentaries. But I definitely, everyone listening, everyone on this call, please go and watch the cycle documentary from fall. It's a 10 minute preview, review, um, capsule, capture of what happened between the first session all the way down to the last session. And what's amazing is what the youth experience on this journey. A lot of them come to us shy, camera shy, not wanting to talk, really not engaging in a way. Um, but then once they get through a couple of sessions and all the way down to self-expression, these people are just, just amazing, very creative, artistic, wanting to share, got their hands up. I want to talk next. I want to talk next. It's, it's, it's an incredible journey. And we ask the question when they start the cycle, what does it mean to be black? And then we ask the same question at the end of the cycle. And the, the differences is vast. The differences in the response is so that like they are able to articulate what it means to them and not only what it means to be black, but what it means to be a confident person, self-assured. We talk about in the during the crowning, the crown that they earn and the crown that they they inherit as black people. We inherit this royalty, but it's also up to us to continue to be fit to wear the crown, meaning that you are kind to others, that you exist in a space in a communal way, that you are just, that you are fair, and that you make sure you look out for your fellow royal court, that you look out for your tribe. It's an incredible experience. Awesome. Where, awesome. Where's the application? I can't find the application. <laughs> well, we got you after this. The, there's no mentor application, Copeland. Are you signing up your 10 to 14 year old? I, I identify as a 10 to 14 year old. <laughs> <laughs> is that free for the program? No, it's free. It's free. Yeah. We, raise funds, we raise funds in order to make it free for the participants. Okay, how many attendees do you have? So right now we have 35 signed up and we have space for five more. And then we, we have that many mentors rotating through each week. Oh, okay. So the maximum allowance is how many? 40 capacity? 40, 40. Oh. So as long as no one else jumps to it in the next couple of minutes, I get an I get an alert when we get a new application, and so um, we're at four actually forty six now. So there are four more spaces. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I got you, sister. Yeah, actually, actually, if I get two more, I'm gonna close the application just so we have two more spots available for your sons, Katia. Okay. Yes. Um. It's and they meet every Saturday. Yes. Every Saturday for six weeks. And then we skip Memorial Day weekend so that we can create this cycle documentary. And then the crowning is on June 5th. And in the it's crowning, we ask, we, we, it's on Saturdays from 11 to 2. And, on the crown, and during the crowning, we ask the royal youth to um, invite their family members and parts, parts of their tribe to see the journey that they've gone on. It's like their, it's their graduation. It's their rites of passage. Mm-hmm. 
and they're invited to receive their crown. And so we send we send custom crowns to every youth who has completed five, at least five of the six sessions, at least five of the six sessions in order to graduate. We send them a custom crown with their names on it. And it includes the jewels that um, the jewels for each session. Each session has a jewel attached to it. So you get the you get your crown that's custom with the jewels that, that you attended for those sessions. And, and do, you do accept your still, crown. Do the jewels still um, accommodate, uh, associate with a an indicra symbol as well? Or have you guys... Each are not session has an indicra symbol attached to it. So for instance, for Missing History is Sankofa. Every single um, session has an energy crystal and an indicra symbol attached to it. Awesome, awesome. So yeah. we we definitely would, would love to keep going on. Uh, but we want to wrap this up a little bit. So, um, Sister Ketia, where can people find you? What do you have going on so that we can push people towards your financial? Um, uh, I forgot what you said you were doing. Uh, credit restoration. Credit uh, restoration. Company. So, so how I'm can people find you? At my name, Ketia Dolphin. I'm on Instagram and I'm also on Facebook. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you very much. Copeland, uh, where can we find you? What do you have going on? Say that one more time. So as we close, we would like to just kind of reiterate, where can people find you? What do you have going on? Oh, people can't find me. So Copeland will be a mentor. He said he hates Copeland will be a mentor at the Royalty Project session coming to the to the near future. Right. Yeah, I mean, only I'm sure. on, on social media, I have different personalities, you know. So I've got my my dark, my brown neck truck driver personality, you know, and then I have my father personality with my kid. And then, you know, I play the fake intellect when I'm on stage or on TV. But on Facebook, I'm like something completely different. Okay. Yeah. So. so with that being said, thank you all. We appreciate your participation. And, um, you know, please, if you enjoyed this, feel free to like, comment, share. And if you haven't subscribed already, please do subscribe. Wow. Bye, everybody. It was As we sign off, we want to remind you that it's okay to not have your cheese on your cracker and that we're here to work towards getting there together.